0: Hello friends. This is your friend Mike, and today we are speaking with another uh another friend, actually a brother of mine. his name's t j and uh I actually raised him or tried to basically gave him a place to live as a youngster and uh what's up t j
1: Not much, just catching up with your recording as I sit in my car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so
0: obviously I know you, but kind of tell everybody else how we know each other. Technically.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Technically. Well, technically I didn't know much of you until what, like 12? Yeah. When I started spending the summers with
0: you? Yeah, because uh, I was away in college trying to do something with my life or ruin it, whatever, however you look at it. Um, A little bit of both probably. Yep. So, yeah, I started coming around uh when you were probably about 12. Although, uh I did live with you pretty much every day of your life until I was uh 15ish. You're I think you're only 2. So, it makes sense you don't remember.
1: Didn't I punch you in the face once when I was like that age, like super young? Oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> And, oh whoops!
0: Yeah, you'd always flick off all my friends and tell them to kiss your ass. The,
1: <laughs> I was trained well, apparently. Yep. So hostile environment.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk about that. Uh, so obviously, uh, we we are we have quite the separation as far as years between us, but we pretty much pretty much grew up in the with the same parents, kinda. Uh, they they got a little better as time went on but uh so what was life like for you?
1: Uh, always pretty crazy i mean like our, the family reunions always turned into somebody getting in some kind of fight or like basically just chaos everywhere i mean whether it was mom or dad freaking out or them just not being there, and we come home and wondering where anyone's at when we're probably what, seven, eight, they don't get home from the bar till two in the morning, so you're trying to go to sleep, but you wonder where anyone is, or if they're coming home, Um, mom had a nice little temper, but that was probably continued from... You growing up to me growing up to, she's getting a lot better, but she still at the temper every once in a while. <laughs> yes, definitely.
0: <laughs> uh, so, obviously, I had some nights like that, actually months, where I didn't know if I was going to see uh, mom or dad again. And for those of you guys listening, uh, I he's technically my stepdad, but I call him dad, and because uh, I've known him since I was probably about three. Uh, so just so nobody's confused, but yeah, th- there was months like that, uh, but they didn't come home. <laughs> so then it gets deeper like, Hmm, I wonder if they're dead, you know, like because, uh, no cell phones back in the day and <laughs> it was, uh, it was real rough.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, we had plenty of that with mom cause she would disappear for good little chunks of time. Dad at least seemed, even if he was on whatever he was on, he came home pretty much every night that I can remember, whether it was really late or not, that was to be determined, but.
0: Yeah, he was, he was always there, sometimes, uh, you know, physically he was there, Uh, mentally no, and obviously when mom and dad were, uh, when they were separated, which they got back together right around the time that you came around, but uh, when they were separated, it was just, uh, just me, Phil and mom and quite the, quite the weeks and months, many times when I had no clue where anybody was and I was trying to take care of Phil and, uh, just crazy stuff like that. But for me, the hardest part of growing up was, uh, you know, mom had a, uh, not only a temper, but she had like a, a way of projecting her self-esteem onto other people, you know, especially her kids. Oh, you're not, you know, when she'd beat you, she would tell you, you're not good enough, you can't do anything right. And uh, that was by far probably the thing that affected me the most as uh, an adult. Uh, so, you know, what what has affected you the most, you think? I know you're only 22, but uh, you're probably starting to get an idea.
1: Uh, it was probably just seeing how negative everything around me was. Like, nobody was pretty much doing anything to better their life. They're, what, trying to not get arrested every day? That was their big goal. Like, Uh um, so, like, probably just seeing and being submersed in just, like, everything being a negative outlook or negative situation. There was, like, nobody talked about a goal or achieving anything like it was always like a negative outlook on pretty much everything through birth till what I was like 14 15 the first time like or like the first year we I just went with you for the summer and never went back pretty much I think that was 15
0: Yeah <clears throat> and let's let's talk about that because uh it was pretty funny so every time I came over <laughs> you know, to whatever, just say hi or try to hustle five bucks from dad and mom and uh every time I came over you would just beg to come with me. And occasionally I'd let you come with me. But one time it's about fucking three hundred <laughs> degrees outside. And uh yep. and I, I you said and you are you were like going through your little smart ass phase at this point and you're like, I'm going with you. I'm like, No you're not Like, you're definitely not coming with me. So, maybe next time, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we go back and forth like five or six times. And you're like, like, fine, fuck you then, Mike. And then you walk out the door. And I thought that was the end of it. (laughs) And I come out to my car. And you're sitting in my car. And you refuse to get out. And you're 300 pounds, so you were too big to get out. And... (laughs) and there's no power in the car so the windows are completely up you're just roasting like a fat ham in there (laughs) and you would not leave you know (laughs) you
1: you didn't come out for so long god i thought i was gonna die in that car but i wasn't getting up (laughs) so
0: you know like uh so you kind of grew up i'm acting like i don't know you but (laughs) i do know you so we're, you're always around mom and dad nobody has any goals anybody you know everything is everybody else's fault and but anytime I came around for some reason you always wanted to like try to do push-ups or play a little football or something so at what age do you think you started having that internal uh, drive to just get a little bit better
1: oh uh-huh. Well, I always felt like I was on a little different page than everyone else in our family, just with day-to-day things. But I started wanting to get better, like, physically probably around 11, 12. That's when I started trying to do push-ups and sit-ups at home, actually back when I used to be into watching, like, wrestling. Or the one time I went with you to the movie and we watched uh, Never Back Down, I watched that movie and did so many sit-ups and push-ups for, like, I don't know how many times, but I watched that movie over and over, but like, mixed martial arts one. Arts one.
0: Yeah. I, no, I didn't, but, I never knew that. <laughs> I never knew that after that movie started, uh, getting your Rocky Balboa
1: on. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, because <laughs> it was weird, like, I was pretty active most of the time, like, when I was in elementary school, I, skateboarded all over the place, constantly, like, miles. And then I was riding BMX, too, so that was more middle school where I got into riding. That, I was always, like, lifting or in gym class, I was always playing sports. Yeah. Me and Felipe would always play sports outside of school or whatever, like football, soccer. They kicked, I don't know how many soccer balls into my face growing yeah, up that's
0: what happens when you grow up in the trailer park with Mexicans you get soccer balls pelted off your lip
1: <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly it was great <laughs> you know what maybe that's why I have that permanent upper lip swelling
0: yeah exactly <laughs> you know you know what surprises me the most about when you're playing sports and like uh, no let and like riding your bike all over the place like constantly exercising like just to move yourself on your bike, a few miles away,
1: like, that was all day, every day, right? Pretty much. I would literally leave at, like, 8 or 9 in the morning at the latest and not get home till dark when I'm already getting in trouble that the sun was down. Yeah, so what surprises me the most
0: is how fucking fat you were.
1: (laughs) I know. I was there.
0: Like, so... (laughs) So, this is my outside perspective, right? So, every time I would come around, you'd be eating something. But not only that, like, so dad was making more consistent money. uh, Not great money, but more consistent money. And he knew you like food. So, how he would show his love to you in a weird way is by letting you eat desserts and, like, giving you double meals and all this stuff. Uh, So, tell me. Explain a little bit about that to me.
1: Yeah, I actually feel exactly how you feel about that. Because even if he wasn't around, like he always made sure we had a roof over our head, which was kind of questionable with Mom. Unless a van counts.
0: Or questionable with the trailer when it was leaking everywhere and you had pots and pans in the living room.
1: (laughs) That's true, too, but (laughs) there was still somewhat of a roof. Yeah. (laughs) And then since he went ever be around because if he spent all of his money he just went and worked harder worked side jobs and everything so he wasn't there to make sure he had enough money to give us food and stuff but yeah like he would order pizza for the family and then order a whole separate pizza meal for me so like consistently if we ordered pizza the family would share like two pizzas i would get a pizza to myself cheese bread to myself or wings to myself a two liter of pop to myself So he definitely, he knew I liked food, he knew I liked eating, so one way that he definitely made me feel that I was, like, loved or cared about, like, if I wanted extra food or something, he pretty much made sure I had it for the most part. Mm -hmm. Even when, like, when we went out to restaurants, like, half the bill was me, like, consistently.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I remember that I would come back from college and I'd be super lean and... You know, in the prime of my life, and then the, you're just fucking slurping down everything you can slurp down and six desserts and twenty three entrees. And I'm just like, holy.
1: Oh, uh, yep. Remember the eating contest we had at like Old Country Buffet when you'd come back occasionally? Yeah,
0: it didn't work out well for me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, and, uh, that's funny. and then not only that, did you, you got significance you know, uh, like a feeling of significance with how
1: much you could eat. Yep, so that definitely built a very bad habit loop around that because I was always the one that would finish all the leftover food that people wouldn't finish, so nothing went to waste. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of significance eventually built around me overeating.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about, um, I never really asked you pretty much this whole time, like, so, you're riding your bike down a hill one time and you smack your head into a telephone pole. Tell me about that whole thing.
1: Well, it was a little bit different than that. Okay. But that was the gist of it. So, we were on our way to my friend's house to fix my handlebars because they were stripped. And there was a big hill and then like a bike path that goes over the river. So, there's a big hill. So, we went down it. We were coasting on the bike path or walking path, whatever you want to call it. And there was a couple girls walking up the path, so like we went off, I stood up and went off into the grass around them. And then as I came back onto the cement, my handlebars dropped to the front tire. So I smashed my ribs on the piece that holds the handlebars, smacked the front left side of my face on the pavement, skidded my whole face across the pavement, and hit the right side of my head on the... A light post like a huge light post with a sharp corner like where it had the square box at the bottom mm. and then I didn't get knocked out I jumped up right away but my head was already like swollen like crazy so the friend I was riding with he takes off on his bike and almost gets hit by a car going to get his dad we were less than like a mile away from where we were trying to go so he got to his dad and they started driving back the two girls that I passed rushed back to like pick me up and sit with me. They sat me on like a bench at this little park that we were, it was right by. So we sat there and um, uh, the friend's dad called dad and kind of let him know that I had an accident on the bike. So he started speeding to where I was because the friend I was with told him where it happened. And on the way, one of them uh, flagged down an ambulance. So instead of like, having to call an ambulance, they drove past one and actually physically waved it down. So it got there a lot faster than it potentially could have. Mm. And then it showed up, uh, everyone started showing up shortly after, so the friend and his dad, dad and mom showed up and um, I was like, no, I don't need to go to the hospital. I don't need to go to the hospital. I'm like, I thought it was gonna cost a bunch of money. I didn't know about our insurance status at the time. And I knew we were always struggling with money, so I'm like, fuck, that could cost a lot. So <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm just, I just need to lay down, I'm a little tired. And basically dad told me, no, you get in the ambulance. <laughs> so I got in the ambulance. Um, Mom ended up riding with me in the ambulance. So she got in, we started the drive to the hospital that was not that far away, like three or four miles. Maybe. So they phone in and they're like, no, he's in too severe a condition. You can't bring him here. So they ended up driving me all the way into the cities and the last thing I remember is there was a bee in the back of the ambulance and mom's freaking out. She's like, that bee better not sting my son. Oh, like freaking out. (laughs) And they killed it, whatever, and then that's when I kind of started fading. So that's when they started the Uh, Drug-induced coma. So, I was in that. How long was I in that? Like five or six, four or five days.
0: Yeah. Yep. And I just I lived in uh, Lakeville at the time, so I came rushing up the next night, or that night, or that next morning. More than two. And your head was like the size of a watermelon. So, what uh, what exactly happened? Like, physically, didn't you have a fractured skull or, or something?
1: Yep, so, uh, well, a few things. So I actually, like, bruised or did something with my lung because of hitting the piece on the bike. And then I had a big, good-sized crack in my skull on the right side. And then they they were real close to doing emergency surgery because the swelling was getting so much. And then didn't I hear rumors they kicked Dad out of the, uh, room, cause every time he was talking, I would try to wake up. Yeah. Like they could see my vitals changing. So they told him either he has to be quiet or get out of the room. Yep. Cause I try to wake up. Yeah. I told, I heard they told him like, if I wake up, I might not remember stuff or something like that. Obviously I didn't hear it. I just heard it from other people.
0: Or you don't remember it. Did you hear night. that same thing? <laughs> or you don't remember it. Um,
1: Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I was still unconscious at the time I said
0: it, but we heard they might have permanent brain damage. I mean, obviously, you had a concussion and stuff like that, uh, which studies show that it's somewhat permanent somehow. Um, But I remember I screamed at mom in the waiting room because I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, if he dies and you're fucking You're constantly in and out of his life, like, how's that going to make you feel? Are you gonna feel like a good mom? I like really laid into her. Not you know because I was just sick of her always being on drugs. You know I've always I've always been sick of that, but because she's obviously a completely different person when she's not high
1: and not doing that shit. Right. When she's not coming down, like she can, you could stand her. You can have real conversations with her. Like for the most part.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, different levels of her. different levels of thought, obviously. So that's frustrating, but. So okay, let's so let's loop back around. So, uh, so you won't get out of my car. It's five hundred degrees. You're in there melting. You're pretty much ninety percent lard. So, you you probably smelling up my whole car. And then eventually, I, you came with me.
1: That I did. And then what happened? Persistence. <laughs> well, you were. That was right around the first time you were getting in the sales. So you started listening to like all the audio books and stuff from like, I remember the success magazine CDs. Yeah. They just falling out of the magazines and then um, things like Tony Robbins, which I still follow all of his stuff. I just recommended another video to one of my buddies here now. So I now I'm recommending people to listen to all of his stuff. Obviously amazing. But that's where it probably first started is, like the Tony Robbins CDs and DVDs or not DVDs, but yeah, mainly CDs and his videos and stuff.
0: Yep. And I remember we had quite the car rides because it was probably about an hour, uh, one way. (laughs) And, you know, prior to this, I'd come and get you, you know, whatever, like every other weekend or, you know, whenever I'd had a free moment or motivation and, you'd be like "Mike, come on. This is this is this is bullshit. Like can we listen to something that's actually good?" And I'd be like, "Nope. Like if you're going to ride my car, you're listening to exactly what I'm listening to." And I would just I'd keep telling you, J- "Just listen. Listen. I'm like, do you understand that? Do you understand what he said right there? Do you know why, why he said that or how it might like make our lives different if we think like that?" And I just you know, and I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But uh, as a as a kid that was, like, in the middle of his, you know, not only, like, your physical change, but, like, mentally you're trying to become self-aware and, like, figure out what you're going to be all about and having all that stuff pushed on you. Uh, do you think that helped or hurt you?
1: Oh, it definitely helped. I felt like I was still ahead of the curve in a lot of things with, like, Wanted to improve or want to be better, whether it was like I wanted to be the, be able to bench press the most at the middle school or whatever. Like, I kind of did have a drive to be better. And I think I even shocked you a little bit when you would quiz me because you felt like I wasn't paying attention at all. Yeah. Where I retained a pretty good amount of it, but obviously it takes time and repetition for it to get to a level where the You're Worthless got growing up. Yeah what
0: yeah. so what do you think uh the biggest obstacle is, is that people that grew up like us or you know you know my situation was a little bit worse than your situation but the same mindset so what's the hardest thing um uh, when you're you know what's the hardest part of like trying to actually be like a productive person and you know just so everyone knows you're 22 you moved out of state uh you're a successful trainer you have a successful you know uh, construction sales job you're, com- you're completely supporting yourself no no support system in that state uh you know how did that happen so quick or what was the hardest part to kind of make that make that a reality cuz there's some people that never live alone you know never uh basically codependent on other people to like constantly lift them up. So what's the big, what was the biggest obstacle?
1: Probably the biggest obstacle to get started is get around somebody that has some kind of motivation to improve. Cause most of the people that grew up how we grew up were in a similar situation, they're submerged in it. So like, it's just all you see, all you hear. So it's, trying to get away from that setting and into a setting where it has a goal, it has some desire to improve or get around with at least one person. Like when you came around, I'm like, oh, like he doesn't sound as stupid as everybody else. Like, that's pretty much all I went off of to start with. Yeah.
0: And to think about it. And you were yeah, in better shape. And I was definitely, well, I was in great shape, but I was definitely, you know, basically I was very dumb still at the time uh and unaware of how dumb i was (laughs) but that's just part of growing up but i had i was literally trying to figure it out at that time because before that so like probably a year or two before that because i think when when you sat on my car that day i think i was already about almost two years into sales and the year before that i almost killed myself and like you know i had no hope you know cuz what am i to do call dad and mom and ask for advice like it just wasn't really an option or even a thought uh in my in my life so you know i guess what 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 was it like uh basically growing up with an older brother just trying to be some kind of role model to you, even if it wasn't like the best or super intentional like you know what was that like compared to not having one? All right, you wouldn't know, but what was it
1: like? Just well, I kind of know because for about twelve years I didn't have it, and then once we hung out more consistently, oh no, I still hate it when you freaking drug me into Barnes and Noble for like seventeen hours,
0: <laughs> however
1: long it was.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but. No, it was good just to be around someone that, I mean, to me, at my stage, you already seemed successful. Like, that's once you started getting your feet under you and sales, and that's when you had a little head start on understanding the subconscious mind and, like, self-limiting beliefs and all this stuff, and you were in better shape, and you had all the, like, football stories and all that, so, like, it was something I looked up to because, at that time I was still training for football or like had plans of still playing football which that went away once I kept injuring myself repeatedly. Yeah. But <clears throat> uh it was just you were just one stage ahead of me like somewhere I wanted to be. So that was probably the main benefit of like having something like right there that I could see be like oh, I want to achieve that or I want to get to this point or just like, at first it was probably more of the physical stuff. Yeah. And just, we were playing football, watching football. I was beating you in Madden then. Yeah. Which you still suck at.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, uh, I, I've never been a successful video game player. even though know what I wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, but it started there and then, oh no, I really got in, I think it all started clicking when we lived in Uptown, and I had that first sale at LA Fitness when I was like what, twelve or thirteen? That was early. Yeah, that was yeah. Still one of the summers.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. that was so crazy because we had to close out. There's all this. Uh, there's too many too many customers coming in, and we don't have enough clients. I mean, uh, we don't have enough salespeople. So I'm just like, hey, hey, guys, come here. You know, this is my little brother. He's gonna walk you around the gym. You know, he works out here every day. Blah blah blah. And when you come back, I'll show you some. Uh, you know, I'll show you some membership options. And and they come back, and I look around. I turn around, cause your desk, the desk that I put you at, uh, was right behind mine. I turn around, and you're going over the membership like you've been selling them for years. And then, and then uh, I give you the signal to ask for the ID, and you said. Does that make sense? Okay, do you have your ID? <laughs> and, you just, and you started, you started typing it up like uh, you just closed the deal, right, right in front of all my salespeople that make excuses.
1: <laughs> it was funny because your the eventual assistant manager. He tried to steal the price sheet from me before as I was walking over to the desk because he didn't know what was going on or whatever. Yeah. So I had to steal it back from him to even <laughs> go over it. I think I was typing the information in the wrong spot too. I, I was just typing on the keyboard until somebody came to save me.
0: No, yeah, you definitely were. I came over and finished it up, but <laughs> <laughs> to see to see that little uh, light bulb go off, like holy crap, I could have just made a, like a sixty dollars commission, you know, and uh, <laughs> that was that was awesome. And you you hung out there. You know, we're working 16-hour days, and and you're in there every
1: minute with us because,
0: you know, I guess where else would you rather be,
1: you know? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And I was at the gym before that one, too. That was in Blaine. It was virtually like that. i get dropped off in the morning. Yeah. Right around the same time you got there, and you'd drop me off at night. So even when I wasn't with you, like, during the summer, I was still – getting dropped off for 16-hour shifts with you. Mm-hmm. You do bench press three times a day.
0: Yep. So as an adult, what's the biggest struggle you have now? Um,
1: you can't I don't say, know, as of recently
0: You can't say nothing because we all know that's bullshit.
1: Correct. As of recently, it's definitely not as big a struggles as they used to be before. Um, probably still right now my main source of income is uh, 100% commission job so just after a few low days the struggle to keep grinding even when it's not immediate results that's probably one of the bigger struggles like if I have like a bad 4 or 5 day stretch yeah, still going out and doing the same, what I know is a proven approach but just sticking with it even though I'm not getting immediate results and then probably my biggest struggle right now is after taking quite a bit of time off to rehab my knees just getting back into that my my how I was like thought of before I moved out of state was like I was associated with the bodybuilding and everything I did with bodybuilding and coaching and here like the people got to know me for more of my self-improvement my sales and all that stuff more than just my fitness stuff because before I moved everyone seen like I was working out well before I was had any kind of intelligence or drive in any aspect of my life it was always just fitness 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 and here um how people look at me or perceive me isn't just fitness. It's kind of more widespread. So like getting back into that, that's not really what I'm really only associated with now. So before that was who I was with was the bodybuilder, the fitness guy. And now my basically how I'm defined or how people see me isn't just that. So like now I'm trying to make sure I keep that end up. Like I want to get back in the groove of things now that, I have rehabbed most of my injuries and I still plan to compete at a high level, but it's not the main front running thing. Like he used to be for like what? Seven years, probably six or seven years. Yeah. It was pretty much all I focused on. It was funny. You'd be like, Oh, what are you doing today? Or something like if you had work or whatever and I was doing whatever, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, Legs today, you're like no outside of that life. Like, what's your schedule look like? Yeah, like I just automatically associated with like what body part I was training that day. Yeah.
0: So, let's, let's talk about uh, personal development. And so, for the longest time, you know, because I have mom issues, I don't know, you know, they're still being dealt with and trying to figure it out. Uh, for the longest time, I couldn't read a book by a female, and. Uh, you know, over the last year, I've read quite a few books by a female. And finally, I feel like it's okay to take advice uh, from a woman. And, you know, it was never like on purpose. I just couldn't, for some reason, I couldn't connect with a female author. And even if I didn't know the author was female, I could sense it. And I'd be like, "Ah, oh, this is bullshit. Like, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, and I know you kind of struggle with the same thing. Has that changed at all?
1: Oh, definitely. In school, that was my biggest issue, like, taking authority from a woman figure, like a female teacher. Instantly, no credibility with me. <laughs> right. I got in a lot of trouble in school based on, as long as a woman told me to do it, I was. I pretty much wasn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was,
0: it
1: was <sighs> in. Was that... Now it's changed a lot. Some of my favorite books are by female authors.
0: Yeah. Was uh was your teacher that you threw the desk at? Was that a female
1: or a male? Oh wait, I don't even remember the story.
0: Yeah, you threw a desk at someone in in school.
1: I think it was a. Try- pretty sure it was a student. Oh, but it was in it was in a female class. Like the teacher was a woman. Oh okay. Yeah, I don't think it was at the teacher.
0: Okay, that's good.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was definitely had a student. I kind of I remember it now, but yeah, that was a a woman teacher.
0: yeah, so do you have any um, any distinct memories or anything that you know I know you I told you I was going to have you on the podcast and you, you were doing a little brainstorming. what'd you come up with?
1: Well, it was a long list. I can't really hammer down much because we had a pretty compact Few years there of where we were going hard at just trying to get the basics under. But I don't know, the biggest thing was probably when we started focus, like putting focus on what we focused on. So, like law of attraction stuff, making sure like we kind of controlled our thoughts and like how we told the, the story to ourselves, like about situations. That was probably the biggest thing that stood out and made the biggest impact was focusing on what we focus on.
0: Yeah. And so what's your, what's your opinion of the law of attraction?
1: Oh, I definitely see huge value in looking at just having a positive outlook on situations or focusing on the good in the situation, not the bad. Cause you're going to, I do believe you attract what you put the most focus on. So if you're always focusing on a negative or a bad part of a situation or what you can't do, that's what's going to be emphasized. That's what's going to be the most notable. So you're going to always find things that support that. But if you focus on what you can control or how you like, you know, how you feel about a situation, you can control your emotions about a situation. So I believe there's huge value in what you focus on and, how you perceive that. Yeah. Whether it's,
0: yeah. And I struggle or, yeah. And I struggle with the law of attraction because, uh, you know, I've had some little random experiences where it's obvious that it was not like, uh, what do you call it? Coincidence, <laughs> especially when I'm like envisioning things that are completely random, but besides in my head, they're not random. And all of a sudden they happen. Uh, But there's also like a a huge part of uh, a huge aspect that people misunderstand, in my opinion, is that they think that something crazy is going to happen by accident. And I don't think that that helps people. But where the value comes from is, like you said, is is being able to focus on, oh, was that a positive thought, a negative thought? Like, why am I thinking that? Uh, And I think that's like what I'm trying to do with Anna right now is just get her to think about the law of attraction because when you're lazy and you expect miracles to fix your life, it's much more appealing to talk about the law of attraction rather than uh, the law of uh, busting your ass consistently to make something happen.
1: Right. Do you remember the first book I actually read by myself?
0: Uh. Yes, the compound effect, the compound fact by Darren Hardy.
1: Yes, that was the most influential book in my life, probably. That's when I, that was before I lost most of my weight. I was down a little bit of weight, but not anything significant. That book, building like motivation comes in waves, and building strong habits or actions you take every day to move towards your goal was by far the most impactful book in my life, and that structured probably six or seven years in my fitness venture of just instilling habits. Like there was like mornings when I was getting ready for a show then I woke up and I'm like, ah, dang, I got to get all my meals ready, open my fridge. I already had them weighed out and ready to go for the next day. And I was so tired the night before I didn't even know I did it. But the habits were so instilled in me that I did it halfway asleep or whatever the case was.
0: Yeah. Subconsciously and just <laughs> weighing out chicken,
1: <laughs> yep, so it was just built habits,
0: so you know you know me and Phil grew up in the same environment,
1: right yeah, or worse, definitely worse
0: i mean uh not not but not you and I, but me and Phil grew up in exactly the same environment, yeah, oh yeah. <clears throat> Because you know he's only two and a half years younger than me, and we're completely different. What do you think that has to do with?
1: Uh, I think the biggest part was getting away from the surroundings. Like you left pretty early, and you got away from all the craziness. And I mean, college probably wasn't that big of a step up, but you at least got around. A little more motivated people, or someone that had goals in like football or whatever the case is, just got away from the surrounding culture of everything being negative or not having any drive yeah, so I think that was probably the biggest factor because he never he stayed in the drama, he fed off the drama,
0: mm-hmm.
1: now he is the drama,
0: yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah that was definitely like even when I moved out at. Fifteen, turned sixteen, it, I was still living with, like, a couple of meth heads at the time. But I did my own thing, you know. So I went into my room. I went to football practice. I worked at night. Like I did everything by myself or with, uh, with motivated people. Or at least, you know, maybe not as motivated as me, but they're at least motivated to, not do drugs or hang out with idiots all day. So that definitely made a, a big difference, and I think somewhere along the line, I think he actually believed that there's nothing better. Even when I showed him that it could be a little bit different, he didn't. He didn't. What the hell is that?
1: <laughs> oh, my! I had to close my summer room. Oh, okay. It started raining on me. Uh, but
0: Phil doesn't didn't understand that. It didn't happen. He thought that it happened overnight and it's just, oh, here I am. He didn't understand that it took days and hours and, you know, years to even get a little bit out of that drama and out of that mindset and for things to start to show themselves. So, and sometimes I feel a little bit guilty because, you know, I put a ton of effort and energy into into you and trying to give you what I learned or thought I learned. And I wasn't ready at that point with him uh, because, you know, we're so close in age. I didn't have time to, you know, there wasn't that gap to, to learn. So, but I don't know. You think that would have helped or?
1: I mean, it definitely could have made a bigger impact. But, I don't know, I think me and Phil at the start had a different, a little different mindset on how we've seen life or how we wanted things to be. Because, I mean, I naturally, like, got away from some of the drugs or some of the trouble just based on, I'm like, that seems like a stupid decision or, like, that would, not like... I just naturally had a little um, direction. Like, I didn't want to turn out like that where I feel like Phil kind of liked the drama in that setting more than I did from the start.
0: Yeah, and you... I could
1: be wrong, too. I
0: think that's right. And one thing I noticed, too, is kind of mom... uh, Not to blame mom for Phil's situation at all, but... uh, You know, mom always said, oh, why can't you be more like Michael and stuff like that to Phil? So he ended up resenting me a little bit, and you ended up looking up to me a little bit. So I think that played a big difference, too, because whatever you resent, you're not going to become that. (laughs) Right. Hmm. All right, well... You know, I'd like to have these conversations again because there's things I'm finding out (laughs) that that I didn't know.
1: (laughs) Even though we we, haven't even scratched the surface, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: so we should have. I definitely can. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I definitely can make some more time to Mm -hmm. dig back into these. Obviously, the more we talk about it, the more things are just going to surface to our memory because it's been so long since we've thought about or talked about some of these older situations are the steps that both of us went through yeah so a couple more of these we might actually get something out of it yeah exactly <laughs>
0: all right
1: well i love you
0: man i hope you have a good day and uh maybe reach out to mom and just tell her you love
1: her yeah i love you too and i poloed her earlier okay so whatever that app's called yeah polo yeah that
0: <laughs> one all right there you go my 10 listeners got a Hello, that one's free. <laughs> That's a free sponsorship yep. to my 12 listeners. All right, man, have a good day.
1: All right, you too. Bye.